Henry Bonsu on Times Radio. All right, okay, let's get to Latin America now because Guyana and Venezuela have agreed to not use force to settle their dispute over the oil-rich region of Esequibo. After meeting Venezuela's President Nicolas Maduro, the Guyanese President Irfan Ali reaffirmed his commitment to peace in the region, but he said Guyana had the right to exploit its sovereign space. Well, let's speak now to our Latin America correspondent, John Bonfilio. John, hello, good evening. Hi, Henry. Hi. Now, it looks as though they've either been talked down or talked down each other after quite a bit of sabre-rattling, because you'll be aware, um, much more than I am, that this has been building up, there's been increasing tensions until as recently as this week. Yeah, and the sabre-rattling is very distinctly, uh, which uh, on the side of Venezuela and Nicolas Maduro, which Irfan Ali is on, uh, is at pains to continually point out in terms of saying that they will stand by their territory, but they've never been the aggressor in in the situation. Interestingly, this summit was, uh, in fact, first proposed by Lula da Silva, the Brazilian uh, president, who himself has a vested interest because there is a shared land border between uh, Venezuela, Guyana and uh, Brazil. And also, Lula has reinitiated Brazil's role as an international player. But what was palpable today is that there is zero uh, regional appetite for conflict uh, or war. Although, perhaps um, uh, counterintuitively, it is actually the Caribbean nations that were present that have been more circumspect than you would expect uh, as regards the uh, the border conflict, uh, in part uh, because they've been receiving subsidized oil from Venezuela since 2005. And actually, Brazil is uh, the one that's been talking down Venezuela in particular. Uh, I think Lula doesn't want his term to be hijacked by a figure who, at least in private, Nicolas Maduro, they regard as a counterproductive individual for the uh, for the far left in, in Latin America. But certainly in living memory, there has been no equivalent uh, summit coming together of oppositional forces which pit the Caribbean against Latin America to some extent in quite the same high-level way. Yeah, I was looking at a map, John, of the region. I'm looking at Venezuela, mighty Venezuela, huge there, uh, which has, uh, so I'm told, the world's largest proven reserves of oil. That's right, isn't it? And and then yep. you've got um, the um, Guyana Esequibo. But, I mean, it covers what looks like two-thirds of the landmass of Guyana, and then you've got Suriname to the east, and then Brazil to the south. I'm just wondering, given that Venezuela has so much oil in reserve, um, and people are still fleeing its shores, why it would want to annex Esequibo? It doesn't need it, surely. Um, It actually does, because its own oil resources have been uh, the subject of, for about the last 15 years, uh, huge mismanagement, lack of uh, investment, and also uh, corruption, which has really destroyed the industry. Venezuela has, paradoxically, the largest known oil reserves on Earth, as you say, but uh, it cannot actually drill for them. It no longer has the infrastructure to be able to do so. On its border... In 2017, Guyana was fundamentally a a poor country. 41% of its population lived in poverty in the year that crude oil was discovered. 2020, uh, Guyana achieved 49% GDP growth, one of the world's fastest growing economies. Meanwhile, in Venezuela, as we know, major economic difficulties, the kind of economic difficulties that you normally associate with a war-torn nation, uh, between a quarter and a fifth of its population have left. And here's the key point. There are elections in Venezuela next year. And in the time-honoured fashion of the, of the autocrat, 
you generate a foreign uh, bogeyman. You polarize your your electorate. And the big question here that Venezuela is putting on the table is saying to its electorate, are you a patriot? You cannot see the proposed that referendum and the proposed annexation of Esequibo in isolation without looking at the fact that, that very same week, uh, Maduro, Maduro's administration announced the arrest of opposition figures for, in inverted commas, uh, their claim conspiring against the referendum. It is all wrapped up in Maduro's vulnerability and him wanting to see through the next electoral cycle. So how do you think this is going to play out? Because um, Maduro talked himself up and he's talked himself down a bit, but I'm just wondering how much further down he will go, given that he's been very clear this is our territory. I think you are absolutely right. And even if we take uh, into account today's or yesterday's uh, takeaways and the talking down and the joint commission of uh, foreign ministers and the agreement to meet again, the, the question really here, uh, which everybody knows is, how much do we trust Nicolas Maduro, who has U-turned, who says something and then comes back on his word multiple times in order to generate uh, political capital? Uh, to my mind, uh, Maduro has uh, uh, painted himself into a corner from which it is very difficult uh, to extract himself. He views Guyanese territory as emanating from the British colonial position, which is necessarily Anglo-Saxon, which equates, in his mind, to US contemporary imperialism. And US imperialism is Venezuela's greatest perceived uh, foe. Uh, he has to continue to make a stand against that, come what may, in order to not backtrack on who he is saying that he is and its importance for uh, Venezuela. And I don't see how that doesn't lead to some kind of conflict yeah. over the next few weeks and months. And, and, and how close were we to involvement uh, from the US and Russia? Because uh, Russia is an, an ally of Venezuela, very famously, but the US was backing up Guyana, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. And actually, you, the US Southern Command has been undertaking flights to, to mark territory in, in Essequibo, which actually has just been fanning the flames of Nicolas Maduro's uh, uh, position. The closest we have come was last week when a Guyanese helicopter with six military officials went down in the Essequibo region. And for a period of a few hours, we weren't sure whether that was just an accident or whether it was actually Venezuelan military intervention which had, uh, which had taken place. And of course, with all of these situations, once you have such a tense standoff, you don't actually have to have one nation uh, declaring conflict or war on the other. You have to ha all you need is some kind of accident and then suddenly things start to snowball well out of control. All right, before we uh, finish, John, can we go due south on the uh, continent of, uh, well, I was going to say the continent of Latin America, South America, and talk a little bit about Javier Millet, uh, the new president of Argentina. He was inaugurated just at the weekend on the 10th of December. And I'm wondering what we've seen thus far. How is the shock therapy going? Well, the shock therapy on economics is, uh, is, is outstanding. We'll see how that plays out. But in today's key news, the Malay administration issued a press release basically outlawing protests. Uh, they have said that there will be police and military intervention whenever any avenue or street is blocked, that they do not need judicial oversight in which to do it, that they will, uh, they will do so with a minimum of the force required, but they will ramp up that force as they as they seek uh, resistance, and that they will keep a a list of those organisations perceived to support uh, protests. Uh, this is 
pretty draconian in terms of measures. In terms of, again, if we go back to the autocrats' playbook, this is up there in terms of classic policymaking. And yes, other things though. Ministry of Culture has been done away with and then devaluing the peso. Now, what is the rationale for doing that? Well, the Ministry of Culture has gone. Uh, the Ministry of Human Rights has gone. The Ministry of Health has gone. The Ministry of, <laughs> of Public Works. I mean, this is completely unprecedented. The, 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 the rationale behind devaluing uh, the peso by 55% is that it was already artificially high. There were, there were, there were currency controls. There have always been currency controls in, in Argentina for an extended period of time. So, so the suggestion is that it has to achieve its, its natural place on the international markets. And of course, Malay is, is nothing if not a believer in, in the international market. So there will be extreme pain in the short term uh, for the average Argentine on the street, especially the poor uh, middle-class Argentine on the street before, if... Malay's policies works, this auto-corrects and begins, in his words, a new era of of Argentine affluence. And people often mark a new administration by the first 100 days, John. How much time do you think he has? How long will the honeymoon be? Let's remember, people voted for this, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's not even a honeymoon. I think the the key question here is, what is society's tolerance for these measures, because everyone, pretty much everybody, is going to hurt an awful lot. Will they all see the big picture? Will the electorate uh, be minded enough to wait to the medium and long term to see the big picture? Or will uh, will they start to take out to the streets and say, enough is enough? We cannot leave, live in these conditions, which were already incredibly hard by any standards internationally. Uh, I know you'll be monitoring that very closely, John, and reporting back to us regularly. Thank you very much to John Bonfilio, Latin America correspondent, talking live to Times Radio. This is Henry Bonsu with you all the way through till one tomorrow.